Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Clubhouse Talk. This is your main co-host, Kylie Morrison, and this week we got a couple of guests on. One of them you may recognize as he's been on for a couple on a couple of previous podcasts, but we've got a brand new guest tonight, and I'm going to let him go ahead and introduce himself. David, uh, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. Excited to be on here. Yeah, so why don't you, uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is David. Um, probably um, just like Brett, I am a Nebraska fan, but um, I love college football. So I'm excited to, to, you know, delve into the nitty gritty stuff here today about last week and this upcoming week. Um, got a bunch of big games coming, it looks like. So, yeah, let's dive in. Hey, it's going to be a really exciting week this week. Brett, how are you doing today? Good to have you back. I'm doing great. Glad, glad to be back. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a little while since you had you on, but um, you know we're we're bringing in two of my favorite uh, college football experts on on this podcast. Uh, as I know, we normally kind of try and split it around with with college and NFL, but there's really just so much that went on this past weekend, and and I think this is an absolutely massive week when you start looking at the the landscape of the national championship picture. So we kind of decided a uh, to do a, a big college football only podcast for all you guys out there. So. Hopefully you guys uh, like this little bit of twist up and let's, let's go ahead and kind of jump right on in to last week's games. Uh, probably the, the note, the noteworthy game of the weekend where college game day was, we'll start there in uh, Notre Dame, Wisconsin up at soldier field. And uh, this, the score looks a little bit out of whack for how close the game was. Notre Dame won the game 41 to 13 with a couple of defensive scores late. What were your guys' kind of takeaways and thoughts after that game? I thought the backup quarterback for Notre Dame, um, I don't know his name. I'll figure that out right now. But um, I thought he was the best quarterback on the field um, for that game, which was shocking considering that Jack Cohn was a starter uh, for Notre Dame and uh, Graham Mertz was a starter for Wisconsin. We saw how he did at the end of the game. But um, really impressed with the mobility of Notre Dame's backup quarterback, which I still don't know his name. Let's pull it up. Um, Drew Pine, he looked good out there. He came in, had kept a cool head uh, after Cohn went down, and he led them to victory. So um, I would be shocked if he's not starting this week. Um, you know, might be his job to lose. Yeah, uh, kind of piggyback off the quarterback play David was talking about. Um, I'll go to the Wisconsin side. Graham Mertz last week uh, was a one to four. Touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, he's thrown one touchdown the entire year so far in the three games they've played compared to six interceptions. So um, his numbers are not looking great. Um, not sure what kind of backups Wisconsin has at the uh, quarterback position, but I'd say anything is better than that. Yeah, I believe they, they've got to start for something else there. I mean, he had a great start to last year, um, that opening game. One I game. Don't, yeah, he was a, a one-hit wonder there. Everyone was was talking about the Heisman, and then he kind of just disappeared. And this year, he hasn't showed up at all. Um, so I'm I'm interested to see what Paul Paul Christ is going to do. Um, you know, heading forward. Um, obviously, at the end of the Penn State game, um, he threw a, a crucial interception on the goal line, which would have won the game. And then they had the ball again. And if I'm not mistaken, he threw another interception um, going in, uh, driving, basically. So 
Um, he has just not been performing well um, in late game situations. Obviously, they had the lead against uh, Notre Dame and that kickoff return kind of turned the tides there. Um, but he did not perform well down the stretch there either. So um, I'm interested to see if, if, you know, Wisconsin elects to make a change going forward, um, you know, getting into the thick of Big Ten play. But we'll see what happens. You guys yeah, you're not learn. Or go ahead, Brad. You're not going to win a lot of Big Ten games with a quarterback who has completion percentage of 56. percent I know Wisconsin traditionally is a running team, but in today's day and age, you need to be able to pass the ball just to get that extra wrinkle in your offense. You guys think we saw more or learn more that Wisconsin's bad, or that Notre Dame is better than I, I guess kind of they were at the beginning of the year when they were really struggling with the likes of Toledo, Florida State. Um, their first couple weeks. I'm not very high on either of these teams, to be honest. Um, I think this is a down year for Wisconsin. I'm sure Paul Chris and the gang will get them back together. Um, they'll probably still become bowl eligible just with how well coached they are, but I, I, I don't think either of these teams are all that great. I'm not that high on Notre Dame. I was impressed, like I said, with their backup quarterback and how they rallied around him. Um, late in the game. So um, who knows if they make a change there and, and obviously their offense is way more efficient than what they've been showing, um, you know, these first few weeks and, and who knows, because they did struggle um, out of the gate, obviously with winless Florida state. Um, and then following that, I think it was Akron. They played Toledo Toledo. Okay. So Ohio team, but um, they struggled there as well. Um Obviously, they have a great defense. So um, if they can, you know, convert on third down, which Cone has been iffy yet, um, not the best. If they can do that, like he went 15 to 29 against Wisconsin. Um, and let's see what the backup did. Drew Pine came in and went six to eight, 81 yards and a touchdown. So um, that's kind of the efficiency they need to, to keep their defense off the field. Um Florida State scored a lot of points on them, and that's because they couldn't convert on third down. And that's with Jack Cohn at the helm. So um, I'd be uh, – I, I think, you know, if they if they start Drew Pine next week, which is very likely, um, if Cohn is still um, day-to-day, I don't know how severe that injury was. It looks pretty bad, but I heard it was, wasn't as bad as it looked. Um, but they go with Drew Pine next week and he performs. Um, who knows? They could – you know, play a lot better heading into the, the October stretch and, and late season, um, you know, big games coming up. Yeah, so. we're going to find out a lot about that team. We'll talk about their upcoming matchup uh, this coming week because they've got probably one of the biggest games of the week um, next week. But, you know, starting with the Notre Dame game, you start looking at where I'm going to get on the rest of these games here. Last week when I was on this podcast with uh, with our co-host Joe, for, for our listeners out there, you guys heard me say that it seems like a lot of these – weeks that you look at it and there may not be a lot of big games. Those always tend to be the weeks that you just see a whole lot of mayhem in college football, which is what this last weekend was. Um, Cause there was an absolute upset trend going, going on Saturday. And we'll- are you, are you getting kind of 2007 vibes from the season? Uh, Cause it's starting to feel a lot like that. Clemson's now- got two losses out of the gate. Um, Ohio state upset by Oregon, which, I did not see that coming, especially after the, the Fresno State game. 
um, where they kind of underperformed, but Fresno State went ahead and beat UCLA. So the Pac-12 looks like they're having a down year. But was impressed with Oregon, uh, even though they kind of had a lackluster uh, victory again uh, this past weekend. Um, but I'm getting 2007 vibes here out of the gate. That's a whole lot of chaos. This is the most open the college football playoff years have been since we've had the playoff. Of just and isn't that isn't that ironic that it's coming on the heels of, of playoff expansion talk where um, you know people are are, are kind of sick and tired of seeing the same old teams? But honestly, um, that's just how college football has always been. Um, Notre Dame, obviously. Back in what the fifties and, and forties was a was a powerhouse, and you have Oklahoma going on what a forty-eight game win streak there. Nebraska came in um, two years, Oklahoma again. So um, college football has traditionally been teams trying to get at the dynasty, get to the dynasty's level, so they can beat them. And once they usurp them, like you have a new king at the top of the hill, and that's how it's always been. Right now, Alabama—that's um, kind of the pinnacle of what everyone's trying to get to, but. I, I, I'm against the playoff expansion, um, but I'd be interested to hear kind of your guys' thoughts. I definitely think that this year is a little bit of a one-off, and I think that it's specifically attributed to the super seniors because um, a lot of teams, I think, had players that uh, you have these really veteran guys coming back for a sixth year, or you have guys that maybe would have left to the draft in a third or fourth or fifth round type of position. And those guys all came back to college. So you have a lot more talent across the board at these schools, which is why we're seeing these, these teams compete with them because the top schools tend to have the top talent. And those are the guys that they're losing to the first or second round. And so those guys actually did go to the draft. So it, I think it just kind of evened up the playing field a lot this year, which is why we're, we're getting what why we're getting the results that we're getting. And we're seeing that it, it's just as wild as it always has been. But Brett, what about you? I'm in agreement there with you about how this has just been a just kind of a I think you can make an argument that this is a more weird year than last year. Um, I know last year there was the COVID cancellations and players that have set out, but just with the amount of super seniors, like you said, I think the talent gaps have closed a little bit with some of these top tier teams. And personally, I love it because I love all the, the chaos and uh, all the hectic storylines you hear. I mean, I think that's what makes college football college football. But yeah, I, I guess that's all I really have to add to that. Yeah. And I, I could see it happening a lot more heading forward, uh, especially with the name image likeness um, kind of progression that we've made. Uh, players are going to have a lot more incentive just to stay in school. Um, you know, that extra year, they have guaranteed playing time. Number one, which if you go to the NFL, nothing's guaranteed at that point, you know, they, they could be a bust and then all of a sudden they're, their hopes and dreams are done, but now with with the opportunity to make money in college, uh, where you're pretty much you know already established uh, starter, it's going to add a lot more incentive uh, for these guys to return possibly. So um, I'm interested to see kind of how that plays out over the next couple of years. Um, originally, I was a little skeptical about NIL, um, just how you know the playing field was going to remain even, um, but. You know, I'm excited to see how it, how it kind of progresses um, as we continue to, to move in, uh, move forward, basically. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to um, change the landscape, I think, more than people even realized in ways that they, they had anticipated. So making that talent gap closer 
would be great for college football because that's that's one of the things that everyone loves about college compared to the NFL that you you get these upsets when you shouldn't get it because you're you're talking about 18 to 22 year old kids. I mean, these guys make mistakes. They have off days. They're not the professionals. So you're not going to see the Jags go out and beat the Chiefs that often, but you can get the upsets of a Fresno State um, hanging with Oregon, or you can get, you know, some of these games that we'll talk about here in a minute of just like, like how did, how did this team compete with them? But sure enough that, that they did. Uh, how did Bowling Green beat Minnesota this weekend? I mean, uh, Bowling Green hadn't beaten an FBS team in I think it's like six years or something. And, and they knock off Minnesota, not saying that Minnesota has been playing great, but, they were 30-point underdogs, and they went in there and beat them. A week after Minnesota beat Colorado. Uh, yeah, they beat them by 30, mind you, yeah. Mind you, uh, two weeks ago, Texas A&M went into Boulder and beat Colorado 10-7. to So, um, <laughs> it's it's really, really strange. Uh, none of it makes sense, and I'm, I'm sure the Vegas book makers are, are losing their minds right now uh, with these lines. Like – um, this upcoming week, I saw a bunch of um, three and a half spreads. Um, that's how you know they, they have absolutely no idea what the hell is going to happen in that game. That's when they throw those three and a half spreads on there. Uh, Baylor and Oklahoma State, that's going to be a weird one. Um, Auburn and LSU, we don't know. So we'll see what happens. Um, you, uh, you were talking about AM a little bit there. What did you think about that AM Arkansas game of uh, – I know myself, I thought A&M was the better football team going in the game. I thought they were going to win the game. And they were pretty well shut down and dominated by Arkansas from, from start to finish. Uh, Arkansas got off to a quick, I think it was 7 nothing lead, and then uh, kind of stalled out there for a while, finished off the game 20-10. to 10. But uh, you look at it, a month into the season, Arkansas has gone from two years ago that they can't even beat uh, Western Kentucky to – now they're beating Texas and Texas A&M in the same season. Well, the question yeah. is, is, is Texas A&M really as good uh, as they were rated there? Um, I know Mond is gone. I think he was a quarterback last year there, right? Yeah. So yeah, he, he's gone. Obviously, their offense has been struggling. They, court, they scored 10 points against Colorado. They scored 10 points against Arkansas. So um, we'll see kind of as SEC play kind of rolls along um, just how good they are. But I've been really impressed with Sam Pittman and, and Arkansas. Um, you know, he has those kids completely bought in right now, and, and you can see it. Last year, um, you know, they had a they had a really competitive year um, where they weren't necessarily um, as good as they wanted to be. But uh, I think Alabama, uh, you know, one of the best teams of all time last year, uh, just absolutely running through everyone. Um, they struggled with Arkansas early on. Um, I think it was all the way into the third quarter uh, is when they started to run away with that one. Um, so now um, Sam Pittman has them playing at a very, very high level. Uh, and I'm excited to see uh, just how good they are once we get into the thick of SEC play. Um, they're going to have a big test this week. Um, Georgia, 18 and a half point uh, favorites right now. Um, I'm sure they're not going to take a liking to that spread that's been put on onto the game. So um, I would honestly take Arkansas to cover that based on, 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 you know, what I've seen Georgia do so far. Obviously they beat the breaks of Vanderbilt, but that's Vanderbilt. Um, Vandy is, is one of the worst SEC teams of all time this year, 2021. So 
um, we'll, we'll see just how good JT Daniels is um, and how he can execute um, his offense against uh, Arkansas. Obviously, they struggled against Clemson out of the gate. Uh, Brett uh, Venerables and, and his fantastic defensive unit. Uh, but uh, that's going to be a big game this week, and that's, that's definitely going to um, – Definitely going to make things a lot more clear, I think, uh, heading into the second half of the season. So, yeah, as David kind of alluded to, uh, how, how much he likes Sam Pittman, I'm pointing this towards Kendall Bryles. Uh, Kendall kind of brings the Art Bryles offense from Baylor um, up to Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas is very balanced um, offense this year. Um, I love what uh, their quarterback. Jefferson is doing. Um, he's a big dude. He's 6'3, 245. Um, you can do a lot of things with a guy who's that size and can throw and run the ball. So I, I, I just think Arkansas's offense is dynamic. And I think they have them playing very good defense as well right now. They're, they're going to need him to be healthy this week if they have a chance of, of hitting with Georgia. Um, he got yeah. up in that game. I, I don't know what his injury status is going to be by the end of the week. But they will need him at 100% if they want to compete. They, they run an interesting defense. And basically, they just, it's funny that everyone has had to learn how to drop eight to be able to compete and uh, defend uh, Mississippi State and Mike Leach. And now it seems like more teams in the West are kind of doing this whole drop eight thing just casually. Arkansas primarily drops eight now. And, and they're just going to make you make you take your check downs and make you uh, get your couple yards on every play and see how disciplined you are. And AM wasn't disciplined. They kept trying to push the ball down the field, which is just really hard to do when, when teams are dropping eight and the next, thing you know, they're behind the sticks and it's why their defense is playing so good. But uh, I'm, I'm with you, David, that 18 and a half is a, is a big point spread much higher than I thought it was going to be. And, and I like them to keep it within that number because I, I don't see anything from Georgia to think that they're going to run away from, from Arkansas. Uh, I know, Georgia's offense looked great the last few weeks. They haven't played anybody of note. They haven't played a good defense. So if their defense, if their offense looks is clicking like it has been against Arkansas, then I'm really, really worried about what UGA could look like for the rest of the year. But if their offense, I expect their offense to look closer to, I guess, what you saw in the Clemson game and a kind of a low scoring run first type of ball game that probably doesn't get much even over 50 probably doesn't get over 50 points in my opinion it's probably a prime for a 28 you know 28 12 that type of game well it depends on on georgia's running game georgia loves to run the ball and they love to control the clock Um, and we saw that against clemson Um, that's what won them the game there uh, and that defensive kind of struggle um Against Texas A&M, uh, Jefferson went 7 of 15 for 212 yards. And uh, six of those passes went to one receiver, uh, Burks, 167 yards and one touchdown. So um, expect the Georgia defense to hone in on uh, Traylon Burks there. Um, we're going to have to see how Arkansas responds with their run game. Um, if they can, you know, kind of play keep away and, and control the clock, uh, expect it to be a low scoring, uh, close affair for sure. But um, the the more that Georgia pounds the football, the more they wear them down. Um, I can definitely see them pulling away late uh, if, if Arkansas doesn't play perfect. But um, I, I really see Arkansas covering this week. 
Love that pick. Well, then we're all in a grand state that we all think that uh, that Arkansas is going to end out with, with UGA probably a little bit more than it looks like Vegas thinks that they are. Um, going back to, to last week, another upset that we had uh, that I'd say a fair number of people probably uh, called on their own, but and that was Baylor knocking off Iowa State. Iowa State has really struggled so far this year. Baylor looks a whole lot better than a lot of people expected them to look. Uh, that game, Baylor was up big in the second half. Iowa State had a two-point conversion there late to try and tie it. Uh, they couldn't complete the pass. But I guess how surprised are you? How shocked are you at how Iowa State struggled this year? Um, do you think Baylor's for real? All of the above. I'll tell you what, I am, I am not impressed by Iowa State so far this year. I love Brees Hall. I think Brock Purdy is a pretty good quarterback. they got a pretty solid tight end out there and few good guys on defense but they really man they just really have not put it together for full game yet and if they can do that I think they could be a good team but I mean they they beat Northern Iowa by six they lost to Iowa who I think probably isn't as good as the rankings are saying right now I mean I could be totally wrong there and then they have that loss to Baylor but I'm just I'm not sold on them um Iowa State's been underperforming all year uh, last year, they had the really, really terrible start uh, and then ended up uh, making a run to the Big 12 championship, which uh, I didn't expect, especially after they lost to, uh, I think it was. Uh, Louisiana. Yeah. So um, that team ended up being, what, 11 and 2, 10 and 2 last year. Um, so uh, wasn't that worrisome, but their inability to score this year is, is um, definitely um, definitely something uh, to be alarmed about if you're an Iowa State fan. Uh, Baylor, I'm really impressed with Dave Aranda so far. Um, he helped kind of orchestrate um, that, that magical run LSU had two years ago, um, along with Joe Burrow, of course. But uh, we've just seen how, how much uh, the LSU defense has struggled since he's left. And we've also seen, um, you know, just how good uh, Baylor's been on that side of the ball since he's arrived. Um, you know, Matt Rule kind of set him up with the personnel um, just to succeed. Uh, obviously, he is an NFL defensive mastermind. Uh, you can see that with Carolina right now. Uh, teams are struggling to score points against them. But, um, you know, he has the pieces uh, to, to be really good this year. And, and Oklahoma State, uh, who they're playing this week, um, you know, got lucky there with the win against Boise State. I think they were down 20 to seven early and had to come back. That's the second time Boise State has blown a double digit lead uh, to start this year uh, under their, their first year coach. Um, but, you know, never count out Gundy. Uh, like I said, this week is going to, it's going to provide a lot of transparency uh, for college football heading forward. So, um, you know, we'll be able to kind of distinguish uh, the leaders from, you know, the okay teams this week for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I think that Baylor's outperformed anybody's expectations. Nobody expected them to play as, as good as they have. They're out 4-0. and um, And then you look on the flip side, I, I'm I'm certainly quite shocked at, at Iowa State. I had them as a pick to win the kind of coming into the year. Um Matt Campbell is learning that it's really hard to win con- to win consistently at Iowa State. I mean, it's a hard place to win in general. And now, now he's trying to back up a really good season with another one. And I, I don't think that it's anything to do with with any kind of coaching uh, 
questions of whether he's uh, being looked at for USC's head coaching job or, or what have you. But I think that it's just the nature of, of college football, which is that it's really hard to be consistent, and he's finding that out this year. Yep, man. They're gonna they're gonna be playing a scrappy Kansas squad this week. Um, Kansas has looked a little bit improved. Um, you know, they ha- they hung with with Coastal Carolina there uh, for a while. Uh, Duke, they actually had a lead on um, before Duke ran away with it. But um, yeah, Baylor actually beat the brakes off of Kansas um, last week or two weeks ago. Excuse me. So. Um, We'll see what happens, but um, hopefully, hopefully Campbell can you know figure it out and get his squad performing at a high level again. Because uh, otherwise, it's it's just 2007 all over again. We're gonna see some really weird teams at the front of the pack. I think. I really like Kansas quarterback actually. Uh, Bean, dynamic. He's kind of skinny, but he's a good runner. Yeah, for sure. Is he, he a freshman? Uh, sophomore, I believe, but he, he reminds me of a young Taylor Martinez, and that's that's might be a stretch, but he, he is he's good. They can get yep. some pieces around that guy. Then th- third year sophomore, um, or fourth yeah. year sophomore with the free year of eligibility. Um, but we'll see how they do down the stretch, too. Um, so going back to another one of probably. I think this is the most shocking uh, team that is, or I guess most disappointing team you can say so far, which is absolutely tons of players. Losing to NC State on the road and once again still looking completely inept on offense. Their defense remains good, but when you're only scoring 20 points a game, you're you're gonna lose football games, especially in this. I game. called this. I called this before the year started. Um, you know, last year watching DJ versus Boston College, Clemson looked uh, mediocre at best, and then um, you know versus a, a, an overrated uh, Notre Dame team. I thought last year uh, he did not. He, I mean, he had 400 yards, but just the overall game flow, um, they just didn't look like the normal Clemson we're used to seeing. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, a generational talent, you insert him back in, they they blow the brakes off in Notre Dame. So um, I don't think DJ's the answer. Um, obviously, we'll see how he kind of progresses or if, um, if they elect to make a change. But uh, he's just – he has not been a fit uh, – you know, he's not been efficient. Uh, for that offense, uh, I've noticed in the in the two games that I've watched, can't really get off of that first read. Um, a lot of teams are, are you know putting the clamps on on their wide receivers, and, and DJ gets tunnel vision, and then he doesn't know what to do and gets sacked. Uh, last week, I think he went fifty percent. Let me pull up the stats here: um, twelve of twenty six, hundred eleven yards. That's two touchdowns and one one int, but still, that's just not. Um, not good efficiency. And that that fourth down play uh, to end the game, what is it, fourth and five, and he's he's hurling it downfield um, to the corner of the end zone or, or to the pylon there. That's just not a smart play there. Um, so we'll, we'll see how, how they kind of play as the season goes on, but it's not looking good. Yeah, I would not be shocked if Clemson lost four games this year. Um they do escape playing North Carolina, who I do think is a pretty decent team. But um, 
still play Boston College, I believe. North That's... Carolina team that just got curb stomped by Georgia Tech. North Carolina, I think, is better than that was what they've showed. Georgia Tech is wow. I mean, funny enough, they're they're two plays away from being four zero right now. They were one play away from tying it against Clemson, and they were a play away from beating Northern Illinois the first week. So <laughs> that team, the roller coaster of the, of yeah, the season I, so far. I mean, you you start off losing losing an absolute stunner at home, and next thing you know, you you turn around and. They're tied for <laughs> tied for their division lead at the moment. Uh, and we'll get into conference predictions later, but God, I don't know what to do with the ACC right now with, <laughs> with where Clemson stands and everybody else. I, I have no clue who's winning that conference, but I can tell you the ACC is not getting somebody in there. <laughs> that I can guarantee you. Yeah, well, we, knew, we knew Miami was overrated uh, out of the gate. Alabama, oh, kinda, Alabama and Michigan State exposed them for sure. Um who did Virginia Tech lose to? Oh, West Virginia. West Virginia has been playing pretty good. Um, yeah. yeah, Boston College travels down to Clemson this week. Um, and Clemson is a 16-point favorite at the moment. Yeah, that was another one I was really surprised at, how how much they want to favor Clemson, which is how bad they're playing. I, I, I see, like Boston College cover there. I see no reason why Boston College can't hang in that game. Yeah, I think they're getting better quarterback play than Clemson is, and they, Boston College has always had a pretty solid rushing attack as far as – or as long as I've been a college ball fan. Hey, but, they just they just beat an SEC team. First, or the, one of the rare times you'll see the SEC up in the Northeast, but um, I'm not sure how good Missouri is. I haven't seen them play yet this year. Um, they had a, a close loss to Kentucky. Um and then obviously that close loss to Boston College. So, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna have a lot more transparency after this week, um, for sure. I'll be, I'll be able to tell you what Missouri looks like. I'll I'll be going up for the for the Tennessee Missouri game this week. It's a big big game for both those teams. So kind of bottom, you know, they're they're trying to stay in the middle mode of of that SEC East there, and whoever loses really starts looking staring at the bottom of the SEC. So it's a it's a big game for both those programs. Sounds what do you, a lot like what do you think of Hypel? matchup this week? What do you think of Hypel so far? I think that uh, he, is, he is an offensive genius in his scheme of consistently we are getting wide receivers open time over t- time after time after time. Even against Florida, that 75-yard touchdown pass, people are going to say it's a blown coverage. Yes, it was. But at the same time, if you watch the beginning of the game, they set that up by doing a bunch of little dinky screens out there of just little slip screens. And then all of a sudden you, you set up the same formation. You have your wide receivers start to block and the guy behind him just goes on a full vertical and it lulls the safety right into it. The safety immediately looked in the backfield as soon as he saw the wide receiver blocking. And then before he knew what was happening, a guy was 10 yards behind. So those are the type of plays that I think that they're going to start hitting on more consistently if they can get a quarterback that can actually hit those at a normal rate, which is like 30 or 40% instead of the, the 10% rate that they're hitting at now. So given the time, also we're really, really struggling with, with um, just pure depth at, at positions. We've got really good top line positions or top at each position, but what you still look at a second and third strings, there's a significant drop off in talent. So thank God it's not Garantano anymore. 
But what <laughs> happened to Milton? I saw he started against uh, Bowling Green to start the year. And then yeah, he was the starter got, coming in, rocket arm, but that guy doesn't know where he's going to throw it. <laughs> I mean, if he's trying to throw the ball, he overthrew a shovel pass. It's really hard to do that. It is really hard to overthrow a shovel pass. So I think they're going trying to stick with the experienced guy in, in Hendon Hooker right now. Hopefully he's healthy enough. He took a pretty nasty hit in the Florida game, and they're going to need him against Missouri uh, this week. But, yeah, high pull up against his former team. I wasn't that impressed uh, with the job he did at UCF. Um, he kind of – a lot of his game management uh, was was iffy at best there in year um, – year two and, and even into um, – I think he was only there for two years, right? Or was he it three? He had three. He three okay. four, sir. Third year was last year, uh, the COVID year. Um, yeah, I, I mean, they had really good talent there, and he, he kind of wasted it there at the end. So, um, I've, I've – you know, I, I hope he does a good job. I'm rooting for him at Tennessee, obviously. College football is a lot better when Tennessee's good, but – um, you know, we'll see. We'll we'll see just how good he is uh, in SEC play. Obviously, he had success in Missouri as an offensive coordinator, so um, he he knows the league. He understands what to do. But college football is always changing, so we'll see how he adapts. Let's talk about the Cornhuskers uh, game this week, right? You mentioned it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, uh, I'm interested to hear what you guys think before I say anything. So. Well, let's hear let's hear it from you first, Kylie, since you're not a straight up Nebraska fan like me and David. Oh, I, I mean, first off, I want to say that I, I don't understand how on earth they lost the game this past week. Uh, just your domination in the second half, you give up what, like 13 yards in the second half, and, and Scott Frost's inability to to hire a special teams coach continues to come so, out, them in the, the last first down the last first down Michigan State had was the uh their obese tight end uh, mossing our cornerback and running down the sideline for like 30 yards that guy wasn't a tight end David that guy's a running back <laughs> he's a running back yeah oh my god Looks like a lineman out there wearing number eleven, but yeah, I had um, I, I had that game on in the background watching at the same time as the Tennessee and um, I mean, just I was watching and obviously I was more focused on Tennessee, but every time I looked up, it was just stop over stop over stop, and then all of a sudden I looked up and I was like, and the punt return touch, and honestly, it looked like they were pretty close to breaking a few earlier in the game too. Uh, that that just you know what? that's that got stuffed, and then when it mattered most, they. Uh, they gave up the kit to the punt return six. The craziest thing is uh, the special teams coordinator or the, the person who drew up that specific play uh, was our former linebackers coach under Bo Pelini and former special teams coordinator. Uh, he's the one who came up with it um, late game. That's that's spark Michigan State needed. Um, they really had no business winning that game whatsoever. I think the ESPN uh, predict thing was like, 75% Nebraska with two minutes to go and we still lost. So um, that, that was mind boggling for sure. Um, but I knew the defense was going to be fantastic heading into this year. Um, you know, I, I said that they were probably going to be one of the best in the big 10. Um, the question mark was around the offense and whether or not, you know, we could make any, any strides there. And um 
does not look good so far. Uh, I can tell you we've had way more possessions um, than every team we've played so far this year, and, and we just haven't been able to capitalize on them. And, and, you know, you could blame the line. You could blame a whole lot of different things. But um, it's it's really frustrating to watch, um, you know, with, with as good of a defense as we have. Um, I just – I don't know how we can't – we can't convert some more of those drives uh, into points. It's just really frustrating. And, and obviously special teams have been um, just God awful all year. So, um, you know, I thought, I thought we were improved a little bit um, at least up until that punt return um, we were doing okay. And uh, we did have a seven yard punt before that. So that was kind of, I guess that's, that's another anomaly we can talk about, but golly, we gotta we gotta figure something out, man. And, and Frost is supposed to be the offensive guru. And he has wide receivers running open all game. It's just we don't have time, and you know the offensive line is is definitely struggling. And and that's where like, why aren't we calling more quick hitters? Um, you know, plays where the ball is going to be out fast. Uh, where we're, we're getting the ball in the hands of skill players um, and, and we're kind of getting the defense back on their heels. That way we can establish that run game. But uh, right now we're just letting them tee off on our linemen. Um, you know, Adrian is holding the ball a little bit longer than I'd like him to. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. We got Northwestern this week. Somehow it's it's opened at eight and a half points. It's at ten and a half right now. So I mean, serious money is getting thrown on Nebraska. Uh, I think the last three matchups have come down to very a very small gap, like three points. less than t- less than ten points. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, uh, I we do. we always we always seem to play down to, uh, and I don't want to say this. Don't don't take this wrong because I think Northwestern the past couple of years has been a good team, but. We, we've seemed to play down to Northwestern. Nebraska should be a better team than Northwestern, given the amount of money that gets funneled into our program, the amount of national attention we get compared to Northwestern. Um, and Nebraska's I, I, a better team this year. Nebraska should... I think so, too. I think so, too. I don't, I don't think Northwestern has much of an offense, and I think their defense without uh, Patty Fisher is that, – that's Patty Fisher, right, David? Linebacker? Yeah, they have that that really good cornerback too, who was a freshman last year. Um, let me pull them up. Anywho, uh, Northwestern's defense does not look the same as they have in years past. Is my main point to that. Um, I do think Nebraska covers um, that eleven point spread or ten and a half point spread, whatever it is right now. And given it being a night game at home. I, I just I don't see Northwestern being able to do much against Nebraska. This is a game that it's a must win for Frost. Hundred percent. There's no doubt about that. Northwestern has struggled so far this year. They got curb stopped by Michigan State, the same team that Nebraska went toe to toe with. Pretty well dominated should it be um, the first week of the year, and they also lost to Duke. They haven't been able to put up a lot of points. Nebraska's defense has been extremely good this year. So I, I don't see this game being particularly close because I, I don't think that Northwestern's be able to score more than 17 points. Over-under is going to be 50. Um, so in order for us to cover that, 
uh, 11 and a half point spread. We're going to have to hold them uh, to very, very little points. So um, honestly, I could see Northwestern covering it. It's up to 11 and a half now. So it was 10 and a half. It's, it opened at eight and a half. Um, so that's Vegas compensating there. Um, but right now, it looks like uh, we're averaging 27 and a half points per game. Uh, Northwestern's averaging 26. Um, Against much weaker uh, opponents, though, is the caveat to that. Uh, their only correct. convincing win, which they put up 35 points against Ohio, uh, is against an Ohio team who is absolutely decimated after the retirement of Frank Solich. Um, one of the best Mac coaches of all time. Don't know why Nebraska fired him in the first place, but that's a story for a different day. Um, but like I said, I, Northwestern is not convincing to me at all. I'm not worried about this game. Agreed. And Nebraska should roll this. So um, looking looking ahead, at, since we're kind of already into, into next week's slate, we, we can talk about some more games. Uh, we, we already touched on that Arkansas-UGA game, a game that I think Brett has – Definitely some uh, differing opinions than me on, and I'm curious to see where, where David stands on this game, which is the Michigan-Wisconsin game. Michigan going on the road to Wisconsin. Obviously, we've seen what, what Wisconsin's been so far this year. Michigan has vaulted themselves up in the rankings all the way up to 14, playing on the road in Camp Randall, which is never easy, but Michigan's looked solid this year, a lot more solid than I, I think people expected. Where where do you see this game falling? Because I, I know where I stand. I know where Brett stands. And we'll get into that. But, David, you go ahead and go first. They beat a very good Rutgers team last week. Um, you know, I, I don't think enough people are giving that Rutgers squad um, credit. They obviously had multiple chances uh, to win that game there late, um, much like uh, the second half of Michigan State versus – um, Nebraska, Michigan um, struggled to get any first downs uh, in the second half, and, and Shiano called a masterful game there, and they were able to uh, dig deep and get a gritty win. So, um, you know, Wisconsin is, is – Madison's always a, a tough place to play, but um, I really don't see any way um, Michigan doesn't walk out of there uh, with a win. I think it's going to be very, very close, obviously, the line right now is uh, Wisconsin is favored by one point. So I think it opened at three and a half before. Uh, the over-under is 43.5. So um, expect to see a defensive struggle. Um, but um, who knows? Uh, I've seen weirder things happen, and, and Graham Mertz all of a sudden could, could start clicking. Or they put in a new quarterback, and, and you know, Wisconsin is, is back to, the, uh, to being the well-oiled machine that, um, that we're used to seeing them be. So um, I, I have Michigan winning, but not by a lot. Um, but I could also see, uh, you know, Wisconsin coming out with the new quarterback and just shocking everyone. I don't understand how Wisconsin is favored in this game. <laughs> to, to me, they have not looked good all year. Um, I know it's a small sample size because they've only played three games so far. But Michigan's defense is as solid as ever, and – their offense behind a two-headed monster of uh, Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum looks great. And they've, they've played one bad half the entire year, and I, I'm not even sure if I would call it a bad half because, like David said, that was a great called half by uh, Greg Chiano. And D David, being from Jersey, knows how 
how well uh, that Rutgers team is playing right now. But um, yeah, I, I I like Michigan by I'd give it probably fourteen this game. So, I would argue I would argue Bedrill is um, you know when it's all said and done he's going to be above Adrian Martinez uh, in accomplishments. But we'll see, we'll see, man. He's he's been playing lights out here. Dude has been balling. I will give you that. But um, can you believe? Can you believe that um, Notre Dame? Uh, was outgained 318 yards to 248 and won the game 41-13. They scored 31 fourth quarter points. So um, this is going to be a defensive battle, and it depends on if Wisconsin can take care of the football, which normally that that is what Paul Chris coach teams do. Um, they wear you down, um, they run at you, they control the clock, and they – you know, limit turnovers, really. They play great defense. And and that's what they did through three quarters um, against Notre Dame. But uh, the wheels came off there late. The wheels came off late uh, against Penn State as well. Um, you know, expect to see a very, very similar blueprint um, or game plan, should I say. But, um, you know, they might have to switch, thing, switch some things up uh, if they're going to get Graham Mertz back to performing. Um, I do have a backup named Chase Wolf. Uh, I have not seen him play at all. Um, right you now, have seen him play. About two years ago at Nebraska. He is two for well. three right now. Two for three um, with one interception so far for the year. Looks like. Um, so, I don't know who else they got in that quarterback room, but they ran Jack Cohn out of town. And I would probably say he's he's better than what they got so far this year. So um, I understand after last year the start that Graham had, but I, I don't see um, how Chris doesn't you know possibly look at, at possible or, or at possibly replacing um, him and going with a new quarterback for this one. But you know it really depends on who else he has in that quarterback room. Maybe I'm. Uh naive on this one but I've got the home team I've got Wisconsin winning this game and I think it's because Wisconsin's going to finally stop turning maybe it's not even me thinking of this too but I don't think Wisconsin's going to turn the ball over four times in this game I, I think that they're bound to win one of these games and also I see it from Michigan to believe it at some point in time they are they are one of those teams that it's kind of like a Texas and a lot of other of these in Miami in these blue blood teams that everyone wants to love and, and back themselves on as soon as they start playing good, I've got to see it to believe it with them. If they go out and they win this game, I'll start blaming it a little bit more, even with how Wisconsin's look. But they have talent on that team. I think that they're going to be able to control the ball, um, limit mistakes, and they're they're going to run it down Michigan's throat, try and give it away from them, and and probably pull out a game that looks really really ugly, seventeen fourteen. 14-10, that type of ball game is, is fully what I expect. Just an absolute Big Ten smash mouth type of game. I wouldn't be surprised to see a 3 nothing uh, scoreline. Really. You know, I, I remember, even, remember LSU versus them. Alabama 9-6. to six. Yep. That was peak football for sure. Um, um, talking don't be shocked if you see Blake. Don't be shocked if you see Blake Corum in the Heisman conversation here in the next few weeks. That guy's a gamer. 
he is playing really well this year. I, I will not doubt that. If he if they keep winning, he will get himself in the conversation. Um, I want to get your guys' thoughts on on Cincinnati Notre Dame. If Cincinnati wins this game, I think that they have cemented themselves a playoff spot. Going on the road to South Bend, they ju- they took down Indiana. This is an, uh, two weeks ago on the road. This is a perfect situation for him. If they go 12-0, and 0, I, I see no reason how they get left out. And I frankly don't see any reason why that they're going to lose this game this week. They're the better team than Notre Dame. Um, I know it's on the road, but they're the veteran team. They've got the better quarterback. They've got basically, I, I'd say most across the field, they've got better, if not uh, everywhere across the field, they've got better players. I like I like Ritter. Um Back when I was paying attention to UCF uh, football, obviously, um, he was still there. Uh, it seems like he's been in Cincinnati forever. But, um, you know, they're really benefiting uh, from these six years uh, coming back. So, um, I honestly, they're at Notre Dame. We've seen, you know, how they've struggled uh, at home uh, in the past against inferior opponents, and they are not playing an inferior opponent. Uh, this week, and that's for sure. Um, you know, we'll see. You know who they start at quarterback uh, with Cone still day to day. I really like Notre Dame's backup, but um, you know I could see Cincinnati coming in and, and surprising a lot of people for sure. Right now, they're only favored by two and a half, um, but you know they've they have not played their best football so far this year. Um, you know the Indiana game. They struggled there for sure and, and were able to pull it out late just because they are experienced. They have those six years of, of starting under their belt and they, they know how to win close games and they know how to uh, to hunker down when they need to, when they're not playing their best. Um, and, and right now, uh, Notre Dame has a great defense for sure. That, that safety, number 14, whatever his name is, he's going to be a first-round draft pick for sure. But um, – I, I'm not that impressed with, with Notre Dame's offense. Like I said, we'll have to see uh, who their quarterback is and, and how they uh, execute coming out of the gate. But um, I have Cincinnati, um, you know, pretty handily. I'll, I'll say by 10 points. you surprised by that at all. Brent? I'm going to agree with both of you there. I think I think Desmond Ritter is good. Um, I think their defense is really good. Um I didn't, honestly didn't know he was from UCF, though. No, he, he, didn't, he didn't play at UCF. I'm saying, like, I used to pay attention to UCF. And okay. he played UCF. against them. He played oh, against them. Oh, okay. Okay. I was going to say, UCF has yeah. had a lot of good quarterbacks transfer out of Desmond. Miller was <laughs> at UCF. So they're 12-0 they're a year. Um, they beat the brakes off of Cincinnati. Uh, Ritter was a young sophomore, I think, at that time, or freshman. Um, but they were ranked heading into that game. And, um, you know, since then, I've just seen him progress, obviously, last year in the bowl game against Georgia. Um, Georgia has a lot of starters sitting out, but uh, nonetheless, they, they still were able to, to bring it to them. So, um, improved they belong in that game. Oh, yeah, for sure. I would love to see Cincinnati make the playoff. I would do. I, I'm, it is what I'm going for most this year. I want to see that happen because I want to see how they compete on the big, on the biggest stage. Um, I I would, whether they get blown out or not, we will finally, if Cincinnati can win this game, everyone will finally get the answer to why not a group of five team 
and, and see if they go out and they compete, then you can continue that conversation. And if this Cincinnati team walks in there, they get trounced in what seems like a down year for a lot of the big dogs. I think that that kind of answers your question of where the talent gap is. It's really, really unfortunate for, uh, for Cincinnati that UCF lost that game, had that um, late implosion against Louisville because uh, otherwise, you know, they win this game, they'd be heading into the UCF game, uh, both undefeated. um, And that would add more to the resume, but now, um, you know, Dylan Gabriel is out. So, um, that's a big hit to UCF, but uh, that, that late game implosion and loss to Louisville is, is definitely going to hurt them for sure. So, um, and I, I'm with you. Uh, that would have been a – that was kind of one of those uh, other games on their schedule that they were really hoping their opponent would, would be with like Notre Dame has. Notre Dame winning last week was so, so, so big for, for Cincinnati this week, especially the way they won too. The score looks convincing. So it just creates that extra buzz. And a lot of people now have faith in how good Notre Dame could be. So if they are able to go in and win, it just makes that win for them even better, a whole lot better than, say, if they just lost to Wisconsin in that game on Saturday. So I, I Cincinnati fans were, were probably the biggest Notre Dame fans this weekend. And, and now they're, they've got their shot. So let's see what, we'll see what they do on Saturday when, when they finally get their shot on a big stage. And I guess the, the last really big, big game of the weekend is uh, is Lane Kiffin going on the road at Alabama, Tuscaloosa, at eight o'clock CBS. This game will be rocking. Um, after last year, I think it was a hundred and hundred and ten points or something. These two teams scored last year, an absolute shootout, a thriller. You know, it's a fourteen and a half point spread to Bama. Matt Corral is the Heisman Trophy favorite as of this moment has a good chance of being the number one pick overall in the NFL if he can just continue on his run he is. Do you guys see Ole Miss hanging around, or do you think Saban and company wakes up and they do what they always do, which is they still win by double digits? Ole Miss has a secret formula to beating Alabama or making the game close. It seems like every time those two teams match up, it's it's a close game. And uh, Kylie, and you, you probably know this stat better than I do, but well, Miss has beaten Bama in their dynasty years, and the last time was 2015. They were the last fun or the last non-Tiger uh, team to, to beat Alabama. Everyone else that has beaten Bama since 2015 is in Auburn, LSU, or Clemson. All Tigers. But, so yeah. heading into this game, uh, no former Nick Saban assistant has ever beaten him before. Yep. Kirby Kirby Smart tried doing it. Um, who else? Kirby, Jeremy Pruitt, Derek Dooley, Will Muschamp. I mean, the list goes on and on of guys who've tried and have had continuous shots, and no one's ever done it. Last year, um, Ole Miss put up 48 on that uh, behemoth of an Alabama defense. Um, Alabama ended up winning 62-48, but but still, um, you know, Lane – Lane knows what to do, and, and he's got some shit up his sleeve, man. Um, we'll see what happens, but I could very, very, uh, very well see this being the first time a former assistant um, will beat uh, Nick Saban head-to-head. Um, one of two things is going to happen. Obviously, Alabama got out to that hot start last week against Florida and, and kind of 
um, kind of almost imploded there at the end, but, um, you know, they, they were able to dig deep and, and grind it out for the win. Um, one of two things is going to happen. Alabama is going to come out and beat the brakes off of Ole Miss. Uh, they're at home. They're going to use that energy and they're going to, um, you know, they're going to ride that uh, to victory or, I think Ole Miss wins a close one. Um, so far this year, the most physical team I've seen has been Ole Miss. Um, I don't know if you guys watched that Louisville opener, but um, they were running over people. Uh, they were hitting hard. They were getting targeting. Uh, they looked like a very, very physical football team. Um, so, uh, I, you know, honestly, I'm going to pick Ole Miss to cover. I could see it. I could see it going both ways. Uh, obviously, you know, Corral had a lot of games last year where he threw a lot of interceptions. Um, I think it's a testament to the way Lane Kiffin has um, kind of just allowed him to grow as a player. You know, he, he's had that great start so far this year. Um, and with who did they play? Tulane last week, or was it Tulsa? Tulane, and they could have put up a lot more points than they did last week. Exactly. And that Tulane team also, um, you know, gave everything Oklahoma had at home. Um, so Lane Kiffin, he's got some things in his playbook um, that I don't think Nick Saban has ever seen before. So who knows what happens? I've got Ole Miss covering. Um, I think if they do win, it'll be a close game. If they lose, uh, it's not going to be a close game. So uh, it really all depends on how Corral plays and if he can take care of the football um, because we know that they're going to be um, energized, uh, ready to hit some people in the mouth. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Right. Yeah. Um, I would not bet this game just because I know what Alabama can do, but it would not shock me if Ole Miss won or this was in a – this ended up being a close game. I'm throwing all my money on Ole Miss money line just because fuck it. Plus 450? Are you kidding me? That's way too good to to, to pass up. Um, I, I would be – if this game was in Oxford, I'd get a shot at the upset. Being in Tuscaloosa, there's no chance Nick Saban loses this game at home. Hey. This uh, game could people, be close. Uh, aside from it being like 2015 where Alabama turned it over six times in the game and they also get a double doink pass, there's Nick Saban will not lose this game unless his team beats themselves. Hey, they, uh, it's very, very possible. Bryce Young is a first-year uh, first year quarterback. He has not played in a game of this magnitude yet. Will he be ready? Probably. He's got 15 touchdowns and one interception so far this year. Um, he's he's played the part. He's done uh, everything we've expected him to be uh, as an Alabama quarterback to start. But uh, he has not played uh, on a stage this big yet. Uh, Matt Corral uh, has a little more starting experience. Uh, obviously, uh, that offense is insanely good. So we'll see what um, Nick Saban has drawn up on the defensive side of the football. But um, like I said, Lane Kiffin has, has put up some points this year. And, and I guarantee you that's, that's probably 15% of his playbook. He's been 
they've had this game circled on their calendar for a year since since last year's close game, and uh, I think they'll be ready. Um, historically, uh, we have seen uh, Alabama football teams get upset at home. Uh, Johnny football being one of them. Uh, that was probably one of the more famous, um, more famous instances of that happening. Um, but who knows? Um, I think plus 450 is way too good to pass up. Um, I'd be shocked um, if it did happen, uh, but I also wouldn't be shocked if it did. So uh, who knows? It's really a toss up. But 14 and a half spread for a toss up. That's crazy. So Brett, you're on you're on Ole Miss to cover, but you're on Bama to win as well. Correct. I'm I'm with you there. I'm just you truly would be shocked to me to see Bama to see Stephen lose this game. Um, I just don't think that you think that they put up the points, but are they in the same division? Yeah, yeah. Saban finds a way to to win these games. Against his assistants, this game will mean a lot to him. The crowd will be really, really into this. Um, so that's at least the way I see it. See it playing out on on Saturday. And I, I could be wrong, but Bama Bama does what Bama does, and that is they win. If Ole Miss wins this, um, if Ole Miss wins this game, you then will probably see Ole Miss in the playoff. Um, they would obviously get the nod to go to the SEC championship, but uh, I could see Alabama, um, you know, not losing another game after that for the rest of the year and getting into the, the college football playoff as well. Um, that is a very, very likely scenario where we see the SEC getting two teams in. Um, if Ole Miss loses, uh, it's a little less likely, um, but still definitely possible. You have Georgia on the other side, obviously. Um, Arkansas is also um, in the West for the SEC. So I'm really interested to see how this plays out. Um, I don't think um, I don't think Auburn is going to be a threat. Uh, Texas A&M obviously is not as good as we thought they were, um, and Mississippi State is still um, not where they need to be. Um, I, I like Mike Leach as a coach. I think I'll have them ready to go here in these next few years. But, um, you know, the West is – SEC West is the best division in football, and that's a fact. We'll see kind of um, – we'll see what happens after this week. Um, like I said, the playoff picture is going to be a lot more transparent. But uh, this is – this is what this is why we love college football. It's weeks like this. No doubt. I mean, if you're if you are able to sit down in front of your TV, there's gonna be a whole lot of really good football games on all weekend long. I highly suggest you to take it all in. Um, because this is this week and this is gonna be an extremely defining week for the national championship picture of, of the way these games play out. So you, you're gonna find out a lot about some top teams, you're gonna find out a lot about some, some pretty hot teams that are going to climb up the board quickly, find it up there for real. So it will be, it will be lots of fun. Um, before we get out of here, you guys got any kind of lasting thoughts or, or you guys got any uh, hot predictions you want to throw out there before we, before we log out here tonight? Let's see. I'm looking through the, the games here, see if we didn't cover anything. Um, big time matchup that not a lot of, that's not on a, a lot of people's radars, but Maryland and Iowa, um, 
we'll see how uh, Tua's little brother does there. Um, that's going to be in College Park. So uh, Maryland wins expect, that game. That's my hot take. Expect the stadium to be rocking and rolling. Um, I'll disagree with you on too, Brad. I will win. I could see. Yeah, I, I could see too. Stanford. I could see Stanford upsetting Oregon. David Shaw is the Oregon Antichrist, uh, obviously, throughout the years. Uh, so don't count him out. They're two and two right now, but, um, you know, they lost to a, a pretty good UCLA team. Um, I think UCLA is going to be a lot better next year. Um, good for Chip Kelly for getting team. them back to and Kansas State. Um, but, you know, that, that could be, um, you know, an outlier this year just because. That is the first year or first game of the of the year, and um, they don't really know how they're going to play. They don't have their their tendencies uh, down pat yet, um, because Stanford came out and and peed the brakes off of USC the next week. Uh, obviously, USC still struggling as well, but um, yeah, man, I could see Stanford definitely upsetting Oregon. Not. Not likely to happen, but um, Oregon has definitely definitely been playing down to some teams um, so far this year. They've also uh, played up to teams like Ohio State. So um, <clears throat> that would be something that, that wouldn't, wouldn't shock me if David Shaw were able to pull that off. Like I said, he's done it throughout his career. Uh, who says he's not going to do it again? So. Alrighty, guys. Uh, greatly, greatly appreciate both of you jumping on here. I mean, this is it was a lot to unpack, and and frankly, there's there's so much more that we we could sit here and talk about this for hours and hours. It makes college football great. So, um, I wish your uh, Corn Huskers the best this weekend in what is, like we said, a must win for Scott Frost uh, this week against Northwestern. Absolutely, keep his job. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having us out, Kylie. Uh, GBR and GBO. That's right, GBR and GBO. There we go. All right, everyone. Well, we appreciate you you checking in and listening with us. As always, like, rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate you guys checking in with us every week. And uh, we'll be back at it next Tuesday with with a recap of, of what should be a fantastic week of college football.